Well, if you would open up your Bibles this morning, we are going to be once again over in the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark, well, today is Memorial Day weekend. Since 1971, Memorial Day has been observed annually as, as the last Monday in May. Its purpose, of course, was to celebrate those who gave their life in the service of our country. And sometimes we get confused Memorial Day and Veterans Day and some other things that, that are going on. But this is a day we set apart for those who had died in service for our country in the different wars that were, were fought. Originally, this was called Decoration Day. Anybody remember, remember back at that? That was back in the Civil Wars when the practice began to, to start and people would go out in May and they would decorate the tombs of those who had fallen in the Civil War and also in the wars that had gone on before. And so it became known as Decoration Day as all the, the tombs were decorated. And so as time went on, after World War I, it became more of an official holiday. And after uh, 1918, I believe is when it was, after the World War I had ended, Decoration Day became a day to remember for everyone who died fighting in the U.S. wars. It became Memorial Day in 1971. But this is the day for us to remember that. So as all the different things go on, remember those, not just those who served. We have days for those who served. This is the day for those who served and gave their life, which there were many of. And we sure appreciate their, their sacrifice. And that, well, glory to God. We're going to be over in the book of Mark today. <coughs> In Mark chapter 5, just to review the last couple of weeks, before we were looking at Jairus, and Jairus, we saw that he had come to Jesus. He had a little daughter who was sick, and he said, if you come and lay hands on her, she'll be well. So Jesus said, I'll come. And we see that Jairus, as the father of the little girl, had authority to give Jesus the opening to come into her life and to minister to her. And so he came. And on the way, he got word. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Your daughter is dead. And before he could open his mouth, Jesus turned to him and said, Don't, that, don't, don't fear. Because fear comes in. Fear comes in and makes you want to talk. Fear comes in and makes you want to speak. Be careful that you don't do that. It was important, as he had that place of authority, that Jesus keep him in a place of, if not faith, at least neutral. If he went negative... It was going to be a problem. All the folks that were there at the place, they were negative. He cast them out, put them out of the room. You guys get out of here. You can just say anything you want to outside. In this room, we're keeping this faith-filled. And we know the end of the story, that the little girl was, was raised up. We saw the woman from the region of Tyre, that she came to Jesus, trying to get Jesus' attention. And Jesus wasn't giving her the time of day. wasn't answering her. And so finally she came and she knelt before him, worshipped him. And Jesus said to her, it's not right that I would give the bread, the children's bread, to the little dogs. And instead of her getting offended and bothered being called a dog, she said, yeah, but even the little dogs get to eat the little crumbs that are dropped from the master's table. And Jesus said to her, because of this statement, because of what you said, I gave him an opportunity. Now, why didn't Jesus have an opportunity before? Because Jesus' jurisdiction was the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And we looked at the verses of Scripture that showed us that. 
that Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She was not one of them. She was not in his jurisdiction. If Jesus was to, to stop and to pray for her, he would have had a faith failure because it was outside of his jurisdiction. But she kept talking. And in the opportunity she had, she declared faith. And that put her in the realm of faith. Once you put yourself in the realm of faith, God can minister to you. We saw that Jesus had ministered to other people who were outside of the house of Israel but were in faith. And that put her in that realm. That realm. And so he said to her, because of this statement, because of the words of her mouth, she had given Jesus authority in that place. We saw last week, we looked at the boy with the demon. that The disciples couldn't cast the demon out. But Jesus came on the scene. He wasn't too happy that his disciples couldn't do it. And they came to him later on. And they said, how come we couldn't cast it out? You could. And so Jesus said, because of your unbelief. As we looked at the word, Jesus continued to teach. And he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. This kind of unbelief. That, um, that fasting battles your flesh and can pull these things out. Because your flesh takes you out of the realm of where you're supposed to be. It takes you out of your jurisdiction. Your jurisdiction is in the area of faith. Make sure you stay there. Well, here, we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Now, what happened before this? How many remember the story of Jesus being on the water? And he said, let's go to the other side. Big storm rose up. Tried to sink the thing. The boat didn't sink. They made it over to the other side. And they get over here. This is what happens when they get to the other side. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, this is one of Mark's favorite words. Immediately. If you go through and you look in the book of, of Mark and compare it to the rest of the, the Bible, this particular word that is translated immediately occurs 80 times in the New Testament. 40 of those times is in the Gospel of Mark, which is 16 chapters long. Can you tell he has a favorite word? Immediately. Have you, haven't you experienced this yourself? As soon as something happens, immediately, something else goes on. Now, if, if you just went through this part here with the, with the boat ride, and this boat ride was going on, and this storm kicked up that scared fishermen tried to take the boat down. So much so that the disciples got bold enough, they came up to Jesus and says, Don't you care that we're going to perish? And Jesus gets up on the bow and says, Peace. He speaks to the wind, speaks to the waves, and peace is restored, and the disciples are amazed. Absolutely amazed. How many of you think that's the battle? That was not the battle. That was, not, that was the battle to get to the battle. See, sometimes we don't always understand that in the realm of, of the Spirit, there's a battle to get to the battle. We get through that battle, we think, oh, it's over. No. Now you can start. And Jesus gets to the other side. After He gets to the other side, immediately, immediately, as soon as this Storm is over. They get over to the other side. Immediately, he's greeted. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even, in cha- not even with chains. Now you think about where you're living right now. Is it better than living in the tombs? How many of you would give up your place 
to go live among the tombs. Now, in the tombs, there's not a whole lot of covering. Remember, we just had a storm. He's not in the storm. He's dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. When this spirit would come upon him and take over, it would change him. He would become extremely strong. And he could break chains. Now, people normally can't break chains. That's not a normal thing. Ropes, maybe some people can break ropes. Not me, but maybe some people can. But he would break chains. Because this spirit would come, up, come upon him and take him over. He was, he was possessed by it. But it would take him over and he would break chains. He would live in places that people don't like to live in. It goes on and tells us some more things about his condition. Excuse <coughs> me. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Does this sound like a pleasant existence? And always. How often is always? It's a constant thing. Day and night. Day and night. This is what this guy is doing day and night. He's not out there working, covering a job, being productive. Day and night, this is what he does. He's in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And maybe he was cutting himself with stones when he was at a sane part, and he's trying to get himself out of this misery, and he figures death is better than this. But crying out. Can you imagine living near here? Hearing this guy shout and holler and when he saw Jesus from afar he ran and worshipped him how many demon spirits do you know that like to worship Jesus no not too many are there so this man who is possessed by a demon spirit at least right now we think it's a demon spirit we find out later on it's legion when he sees Jesus from afar runs to him falls down and worship him. Who's doing that? That would be the man, wouldn't it? The demon spirit comes on him and he breaks chains. Cries out. He's in agony. But he saw Jesus from afar and he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. So Jesus is discerning the difference between the man and the unclean spirit. Now, in the Greek, this is not... He said it one time. In the Greek, it is the progressive imperfect. And it means, For he had been saying to him. So look at it this way. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he, for he had been saying to him, Jesus had been saying to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Now, in this area of authority, we're looking at how we can minister to other people. How we can help other people. When do we have the right to step in there? We saw that Jairus, being the father of the daughter, gave Jesus the right to be able to, to do that. We saw that the woman who was outside of his region, outside of his jurisdiction, gave him the right by 
moving herself into a place of faith when was given the opportunity. What has this man done to give the authority to Jesus? Does the demon spirit want to give Jesus authority? But the demon spirit is taking him over. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you do not torment who? Is he tormenting the man? No, he's tormenting the spirit. It's the spirit. It's under torment. It's the spirit that's taken over and is talking now. Now, if you go over to Matthew's gospel, Matthew tells you that there's two people here. That there are two people in the tombs. Mark focuses on one. Apparently, even though there uh, at times Matthew says that they both said, there may have been times they both said, but one was the spokesperson. And this is the one that Mark is dealing with. For he had said to him, come out of the man, or been saying to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, Legion, in the, in the times here Jesus was, Legion accounted for about 6,000. So if you put that in literal terms, that would mean that they had this, this one man had somewhere around 6,000 demon spirits in him. One man, 6,000 demon spirits. Now, we don't have time to do it today, but we've done it in the past, and we'll just refer to this for you. A demon spirit comes upon people because the people are in peace and the demon spirit is in torment. These are not fallen angels. Fallen angels are not demons. Demons are not fallen angels. They are different things. Fallen angels do not possess people because they have a body. Demon spirits are, are spirits that no longer have a body. And they're seeking a body because in that body they gain some peace. So the demon spirit comes upon the man or the woman... And they take them over, they possess them, and the peace that was on the person comes upon them, at least some of it, and the torment that was on a demon spirit comes upon the person. That's why they do it. So this one has a legion somewhere around 6,000 demon spirits. Can you imagine all that unrest coming upon one person? I could not. I heard one person challenge it this way. If one person can handle 6,000 demon spirits, how much of the Holy Spirit can we handle? Hmm. We can handle a whole lot more of the Holy Spirit than we've given ourselves credit for. If one person can handle 6,000 demon spirits, how much of the Holy Spirit can you handle? Increase your spiritual capacity. So Jesus had been repeatedly making this statement to him. Come out of the man. Come out of the man. Come out. Come out. I said, come out. He's repeatedly saying this. And he's, he's not just leaving. Does Jesus have authority? When you have authority, just because you say to sickness and disease, just because you say to a demon spirit, come out, go or whatever, and it doesn't listen right away, does not mean you have failed. But you keep coming at it. You keep going. You don't quit. And he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. 
Now, there are many people who are going out from here, and because Jesus asked them what his name was, they feel like you have to get the name of the demon spirit before you can cast them out. Well, that would be ridiculous because, first off, demons are liars. If you need the name of the demon spirit in order to get the demon spirit to go out, that demon would have to be truthful and tell you what their name is. They're liars. Why would God give us a command to cast out demon spirits if they could just lie and tell us the wrong name? You don't need the name of the demon spirit. Nowhere else does Jesus do this. Jesus is up against something different here. We're not up against one spirit. And maybe every time that he said this, one spirit did come up, come out. But he's got 6,000 or so to deal with. That's a lot. How many want to say, come out of him 6,000 times? You do not need to know the name of any demon spirit. All you need to know the name of is Jesus Christ. That's it. Don't need to know any other name. In the name of Jesus, come out. That's all you got to do. My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Did you know apparently you can do that? I mean, would this guy say, don't send us out of the country if it wasn't possible? He said, we like it here in this country. We want to stay around this area. Don't kick us out. I don't know, if the demon spirit is asking me not to do something, I think that's more reason to do it. (laughs) Go back up to verse 7 again. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. I believe it's Matthew's Gospel. If it's not Matthew, it's Luke's account of this. It's given in this way. Have you come to torment us before the time? I know who you are. Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Have you come to torment us before the time? There is a time that is set where demon spirits will be dealt with. And their question is, have you come before that time to torment us? Now, what is he saying? Is Jesus there to torment the demon spirit? Now, again, we don't have time to go through this. We have gone through this in the past. Just going to refer to it here now. But demon spirits have sometimes stepped out of their realm. Fallen angels have sometimes stepped out of their realm of what they are allowed to do. And when they have done that, they have been locked up for it. Remember the fallen angels who came down to the daughters of men. And from that came the giants. Those, that first group, there was two groups that did this. That first group was locked up. Jesus locked them up. You stepped out of your realm. And he locked them up. The Word of God tells us. Then a second group was talked into it. And they came down and they did it. Because the first group was wiped out by the flood. The second group was wiped out by the Israelites. Lastly, David. David wiped out the last of the giants. But those, that group was locked up. There are other ones that have been locked up in the past because they did things they were not allowed to do. If you go over to the book of Revelation, how many are reading through your your chapter every day? And you just finished the book of Revelation. And in that book of Revelation, you find out that there were four angels that were locked up for a particular time. There are other ones that were put into the bottomless pit to be locked up for a five-month period for which they would be released and allowed to torment men for five months. You remember that one? Now, if you have read after some end times people, you will find out that those spirits that were locked up have been called 
Are you ready for this? Helicopters. Yes, because they have tails that sting and faces of men. And so they called them and they said, this is, this is nothing more than the modern day helicopter because they have guns in the, in the back and they're all glass up in the front and they look like people. Well, I could tell you who he is. You, you would know who the person is who, who wrote about this theory. First off, there are no helicopters in the pit of hell or in the bottomless pit. They have no helicopters there. Helicopters don't fly in space. And they're not released for five months and commanded not to kill anyone. You can torment them, but you can't kill them. That's what their command was. And they were released for five, five months to torment men. They were tormented so much that they wanted to die, but they couldn't. No, there are no helicopters in the book of Revelation. There are demon spirits that were locked up and released for a period of five months to torment people. And they tormented. This guy has got 6,000. Now, what they're wondering right now is, have we overstepped our bounds? Have we overstepped and are we now in for punishment? Have you come to torment us before our time? It's not accusing Jesus of doing something wrong. They're basically wondering, have we done something wrong that now we are going to be punished for? And they begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Verse uh, 11. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near there near the mountains. So all the demons, you imagine this. Can, can you imagine this? Up to now, we've been having a discussion with one. Now, all of a sudden, it says that all the demons, how many? 6, somewhere around 6,000. Maybe a few have already departed, but somewhere around 6,000. Can you imagine 6,000 voices coming out of one person at one time? It does not say that he said this. It does not say that the spokesman said it. So all the demons begged him. They're making a note of this because this had to be astounding. Can you imagine what this would sound like? 6,000 voices, even if it's 100, 500, 1,000. Can you imagine what that would sound like? All these voices coming out of one person. That'd be eerie. That might send some of you for a loop. You might lose your authority right there. Just, just lose your confidence and just step back and that's just too much. Jesus does not lose it. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Well, 2,000 doesn't mean that one spirit went into each one. It could have, been, could have tried to double up. Could have done any. Maybe some of them just couldn't get in there. And, but whatever it was, it seemed that all 2,000 got a demon spirit. And they said, this stinks. <laughs> and they decided to jump off the cliff rather than to live with this demon spirit. So they all ran off the cliff and died, preferring that to... Now the demon spirits had nothing to inhabit. They were given permission to go into the swine and the swine died. Why did Jesus give them permission to go into the swine? Jesus is not like pigs. There are only two animals that are said that demon spirits or Satan himself entered. The swine and the serpent. That does not mean that is all that they can. The Bible never says that's all that they can do. It just says that's all that they did. 
If you have a neighborhood dog and you're convinced that dog is possessed, I can't tell you that it's not. Pigs have been possessed before. Satan took over the serpent. So don't build a doctrine that says only certain things can be inhabited by demon spirits because apparently that's not true. We don't know what the limit is or what other animals can or cannot. I'm wondering about cats myself. But. And at once Jesus gave them permission then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. They were about 2,000 and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. I guess you would too. You don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, 2,000 pigs just took off off the cliff. Now, there's been debate as to where this actually occurred. Uh, because apparently the town is not as easily placed as you might think that it is. I did some looking around on this thing just to try and find out, and I could see why they had some, some difficulty. But there is one particular spot they think per, they feel pretty good about. It's got some steep cliffs. And they said if there was a herd of swine around there, this would be an area where they could uh, run off the cliff and plunge into the water and die. This was a region that was uh, populated mostly, not entirely, but mostly by Gentiles. And that's why they had, were raising the pigs. They didn't have any problem with raising the pigs. Of course, the Jewish people aren't supposed to be raising pigs. They're not supposed to be eating the pigs. They're not supposed to be having the pigs. That's an unclean animal. Later on, they, of course, they'd be declared clean. But right now, that hasn't happened yet. Verse uh, 14, And they went out to sea... Well, so, the, so those who fled this, so those who fed the swine fled. They told it to the city and the county, in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. When he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. So here's this man who was demon-possessed. They couldn't chain. He wasn't working. All he would do is night and day cut himself and cry out. And now he's in his right mind. How is it that Jesus... Because this is an authority issue. This is not a power issue. This is an authority issue. How did Jesus get the authority to speak into this man's life? Was his father or mother present? As far as we know, he's probably too old for the father and mother to be, be a factor. Did he ask Jesus to help him? Didn't ask him Jesus to help him either. And when he did open up his mouth, the demons spoke out of it. So how is it that Jesus got this permission? Because he had to have gotten permission, right? Well, remember when he first came, he saw Jesus. And he ran to him. You remember what he did when he first got there? He worshipped him. That's not the demon spirit, folks. That's the man. And when the demon spirit saw that the man came and worshipped and defeated Jesus, the demon spirits took him over. But for that one instance, he came and he worshipped Jesus. Giving Jesus the permission that he needed to step into his life and to free him from that bond. Now, Jesus did some teaching on demon spirits. And he said, if you cast out the demon spirit out of a man and you don't fill it with something else, that demon spirit will go out, will come back to the house, it'll find it all swept and clean and all nice and order. And it'll go out and it'll find seven demons more vile than himself. And they'll all come back and make their home in that man. 
So there would be multiple people, multiple uh, spirits inside, the, inside that person. And he said the latter state would be worse than the first. So he gave this person an opportunity. Now, if he would not stay with it, the next stage would be worse. But he did stay with it. I've been wanting to be free. There was no one around that could help me, get me free. Jesus, you got me free. Somewhere along the line, this man, because the demon spirits did not possess him to, to take him over all the time. Somewhere along the line, he, in his right mind, heard about Jesus. And he wondered, Jesus is casting out demon spirits. Jesus is casting out sickness and disease. If I ever got the opportunity to see Jesus, maybe Jesus would cast this, these spirits out of me. And I could be free. I could be free. Can you, can you see him saying something like this? Can you see him wondering something like this? Because as soon as he sees Jesus, what does he do? He runs to him and then worships him. That means there was something more going on in this man about Jesus than what we saw in that one day. And him down on his knees, however it was that he was worshiping Jesus, gave Jesus that opportunity. And even though the demon spirits kicked in and started accusing Jesus and saying things about Jesus and talking with Jesus, resisting Jesus, Jesus already had the opportunity. And he said, come out of him. Because it said he had been saying, come out of him. So apparently just him coming and worshiping gave Jesus the opportunity. And Jesus said, come out of this man. And he kept saying it, come out of this man. Come out of this man. And then we find that after he had said this a number of times, that the demon spirits chimed in. And they said, we know who you are. And so forth. And now this man wants to go and follow Jesus. Look at this, um, verse 17. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And we got into the boat. What boat is this? The boat that almost sank, right? What, what um, lake are they going back on? What sea are they going back on? The sea they almost sank in, right? The one that just had the nasty storm that they were so glad to probably get off of the water and on the land. And as soon as they get off the land, what happens? This guy greets them. And after he greets them and they cast them out, the people with the swine, they go into the city, they tell everybody what happens. They all come on out here. And what do they say to Jesus? Leave. Go. And Jesus doesn't argue with them. He doesn't. When he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed, he's not anymore, begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he, has com- how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. So Jesus gets in a boat and says, Let us go to the other side. A storm comes up to try and sink them Jesus has victory over the storm. They get to the land. They get out. They meet this demon-possessed person, probably two of them, cast out about 6,000 demon spirits, and then are told to leave. And they get in the boat, and they go back in the direction of where they came. Matthew's Gospel tells us that, yeah, Matthew's Gospel tells us that he went back to his home country. 
If you go into the following chapter, I believe the story is in Matthew chapter 8. If you go over to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, And Jesus went to his hometown. Probably not his original hometown, the second hometown, the hometown that he came to after they uh, had returned from Egypt when they had fled down in there. But over in Luke's gospel, how would you, let me ask you this question, how would you rate the receptivity of the people where the demon-possessed man was? Were they highly receptive of Jesus? I would say not, right? Luke chapter 8, verse 40. This is where we see the other, another account of it. So Jesus left the place where he was welcome to go to a place where only a demon-possessed man waited for him. The multitude of people asked him to leave after only a few hours, and he returned to find expectant people waiting. Now look at this. Jesus left a place where he was welcomed. To go to a place where only a demon-possessed man waited for him. This is in the Scriptures. This is the Scriptures describing what has happened. He left the place where they wanted him. Remember, they, they, were all, they loved it. Jesus, you're here. This is great. We're enjoying ourselves. Healings are going on. Teaching is happening. And Jesus gets in the boat, goes to the other side of the lake, in which is only one person waiting for him. A demon-possessed man. The multitude of people asked him to leave after what? Only a few hours. A few hours. And he returned to find expectant people waiting him. So where he left from, loved them. Where he went to, please leave. Where he goes back to, oh, you're here. We're so glad to have you here. Come on. Teach us. We got some sick people here. Would you take on this assignment if it was given to you? Steve, I want you to get into a boat. I want you to leave the area where people love you. People are accepting of everything that you're doing. I want you to get in that boat. On the way over to that boat, the, the devil is going to try and kill you. It's going to be a pretty good attempt. All your fishermen are going to be scared at what happens on that sea. And the boat will very nearly go under. And then when you get to the other side, you're going to be greeted by someone who's waiting for you to come. Isn't that what it said? He was welcome to go to a place where only a demon-possessed man waited for him. Waited for him. I want you to go in there and I want you to take care of that one man. Cast out the demons. And then they're going to ask you to leave. After a couple hours. So you've got to sail across the sea. Fight the storm. Get over there. Spend a couple hours. Get back in the boat. And head back again. How many of you would take that assignment? How many of you say, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Alright, now think of your own life. How many of you are in an assignment you were discouraged in? Is it as bad as this one? Has a storm risen up to try and kill you? Are people in multitudes asking you to leave? This is what Jesus said. Let's go and take a look at another one. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Now it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Now this is always a fun phrase. Now it happened. Have you ever had one of those now it happened moments? 
You know, you're just out there minding your own business. And it happened. Now it happened. As we went to prayer. Is going to prayer a good thing? How many of you believe that God wants you to have times when you go to prayer? All right, so why does God let this happen? Now what happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. God, of all the places that we're going to meet up with this demon-possessed girl, why on the way to prayer? Why do we face this on the way to prayer? Now, just to give you a little rundown on this, you all know this, the history here, but just want to make sure you know this is the setting of it. Do you remember when Paul was going to go into a certain area and God said in Asia, and God said, don't go. And he's going to go into another spot. And God said, no, don't go. And they were still, you know, where are we supposed to go? They're still, you know, just kind of traveling, not really doing anything. They're just traveling. They're covering a lot of miles, but not preaching the gospel anywhere. And so they're laying up there one night. And Paul gets a dream. Sees this man in Macedonia beckoning them, says, come over here. So he gets up, he talks about it with Silas. Silas, I, I think God's telling us to go over to Macedonia. He's not, he's not sure, I, I think. So they said, well, let's, let's go on over to Macedonia then. So they get in the boat, they go over, and they get to Macedonia. And they get off the boat, they come on out. And this is what happens. And it happened as he went to prayer. See, he's ministered to basically a ladies' group, a ladies' prayer group, because the men didn't want to give him any time of attention. And as they're going to prayer, a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. If you get involved in any type of fortune-telling, the spirit behind it is not a good one. Stay out of it. You do not need to get involved there. It may be tempting. Don't get in there. Different realm. That's out of your jurisdiction. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Does that sound bad? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, I bet, I bet Paul would wish everybody would know that about them. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Many days she's doing this. Now look at this. This is a great, this is a refrigerator verse. This is a refrigerator. You should put this on your refrigerator. You'll see why here in just a minute. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. How many of you, when you are greatly annoyed, are motivated to do something? How many times when you are greatly annoyed, are you trying to fight your flesh to keep your flesh under and not do the thing that you are greatly annoyed to do? What's Paul do? He doesn't fight at all. Paul, being greatly annoyed, gives in. And he's, he turns it. Now, if you are great, not, not annoyed. We're talking about, we're taking this to the extreme. If you are greatly annoyed, how do you say something? Um, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. Now, if you are greatly annoyed, think of it this, you are on the phone with the most unhelpful customer service person. You have 
past the level of being annoyed. You have passed the level of being excessively upset. And you are now at the level of being greatly annoyed. Now, get that tone. Get those feelings. Make them be fresh in, in your mind right now. What is it that you want to do? Can you imagine just having a license to just do it? <laughs> and Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit. Didn't say it to the girl. He said it to the Spirit. Did not say it to the girl. Said it to the Spirit. There is never a time in the Bible where you deal with a demon spirit by talking to the person. He said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Who's doing the commanding? Paul. Is Paul in faith and patience right now? No, he's in greatly annoyed status right now. We are greatly annoyed. He's been patient for a couple of days. This girl has not gone away. Why does he not want her publicity? Because this, this girl has gone around in this area... And they all know her to be a fortune teller and the spirit by which she does it. And right now, she is lining herself up with Paul and basically saying, Paul and I were on the same side. That is going to devalue Paul and elevate her. Paul is angry at this. He's probably thinking, what am I supposed to do with this person? She has authority over her own body. If she wants to keep this spirit of divination, how can I come against that? How do I get permission? Maybe it's a young girl. Maybe I can find her parents. But the parents seem to be in on it too. How does Paul get the opportunity to have the authority to speak here and cast this demon out? Because obviously it worked, right? The demon left. Demons do not leave unless they know that you have the authority to do it. They don't leave. When the seven sons of Sceva came up and they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Did it work? Didn't work. It worked here. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So how did it, how did it work? There's two reasons in these, uh, these uh, passages, two reasons for which we are able to cast out demons. We've already looked at the one. Those who have authority give authority, right? All right, don't let me forget. We're going to get into the second one. But when their master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Now, why are they mad at them? Because their hope for profit is gone. That's their reason. They don't care that the girl is better off or not, not better off. We don't care about the girl. We don't care about other things. All that they cite as the reason is our way to make money is gone. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. Are they concerned about the city? They are concerned that they lost money. Their, their way to make money. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, for us being Romans to receive or observe. Are they concerned about their customs? No. They're concerned about money. Then the multitude rose up together against them, 
And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So we see from this, basically, that the people that were over the little girl did not want the little girl to lose that spirit. Paul does not access authority that way. In fact, if they had any authority over the little girl, they would have stopped it. Most times we see people in this day and age who are expressing their concerns for things are not concerned about the things that they tell us. They're concerned about other stuff. But they know they can't say that. So they have to say something else that people will accept. We're seeing this with marriages for gays and lesbians. We're seeing this now for bathrooms that whoever thinks a certain way ought to be allowed to use whatever bathroom that they want. And they pose it, well, this is discrimination. We're making these people feel poorly. You're looking at less than a half a percentage of people, half a, uh, less than 0.5% of the people of this country that this kind of thing affects. And we're, we're, cha- we're affecting the other 99% plus. Because their concern is not those people. Their concern is disrupting marriage. Their concern is disrupting order. Their concern is to make Christians and Christian principles seem false, out of date. But they can't say that, so they have to say it on something else. Don't buy these things from these people. This is not their concern. This is not what their care is. It's the same thing here in the Word of God. Bible even told us, what's their concern? We're losing money. What do they talk about? They don't talk about the money at all. Because they know that people will not accept it. So Paul is beaten and put in prison, not for preaching the gospel, but for messing with somebody's money. That's why. All right, so how did Paul do this? How can you work through the authority of Jesus Christ into the life of another? One is to have those who have authority give authority, which we looked at a number of those cases. Now, here's the other one. And you've got to get this one down. Because this one can impact you as much as the other one. Here's the second way. Or, let them get in your way. If a demon spirit or a person gets in your way as a minister of Jesus Christ, they have just stepped into your jurisdiction. And you need no one to give you authority. Because you have it. You have authority in that, in that realm. So you think of it this way. If there are people in your life who are standing in your way of what God wants you to do. People in your life who are messing with what you're doing at work. And God has given you a purpose there at work. And God has, God, I got this problem at work. And God says, do it this way. And somebody rises up and gets in the way of you doing that. Somebody gets in the way of you preaching the gospel the way God told you to preach the gospel. Of sharing Jesus with people the way you're told to share Jesus with. Not obnoxiously, but the way that Jesus Christ told us to be fishers of men. Somebody rises up and gets in the way. Here's the thing you ought to do. Don't try and coach them how to stay out of your way. Don't do it. 
Stand back. Go ahead. Get in my way. Come on. Make my day. Here you go. Get in my... Come on. Get in my way. Come on. I'm waiting for you. Get in my way. Do it right now. And as soon as they cross the path and get in your way, (laughs) it's on. It is on. I do not need anyone to give me permission to speak into your life and to take authority over any demon spirit that is on your body, to take authority over anything that you are doing against me because you just got in my way. And you get in my way, you're in God's way. And I've got authority. I didn't have authority when you're out there messing with heathens. You come over here and you start messing with me. I now have authority over you. So in the name of Jesus, demon spirit, get out of here. And he could cast this demon spirit off of a girl who didn't want to lose it, off of uh, people who were making money off of it, and apparently even her parents didn't care about it. He could step in and speak to that demon spirit and say, go, because that demon spirit crossed the line. I'm sure Paul knew this is a demon spirit right off the bat. He's talking with God. God, what do I got to do about this? We got to do, and either he finally realized she crossed into his path, or God says, now she's done it. Go get her. Or go get the spirit that's on her. And he cast that thing off, and that thing left. If people want to give you permission, you can get involved in somebody's life who's not in your way. But if not, you, how many of you have people, how many of you have a boss who is standing in your way of getting a promotion? Guess what? Don't get in my way. Don't get in my way. Now, I'm not just going to teach, teach you this and just taught in one little area of Scripture. This is not just taught in one little area of Scripture. What did God say to Abraham about those people who would bless him? Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. What happened to the men that rose up against Daniel? When he was going to be promoted on his job to be over the entire realm. And they said, we cannot find anything, any fault with this Daniel except in the way he deals with his God. So they came up with a conspiracy that Daniel would be thrown in a lion's den. And it didn't work against Daniel. But when Daniel came out, who ended up going in the lion's den? They did. Sure enough, they did. Goliath, he came against the children of Israel. And David said, he's an uncircumcised Philistine. He's got no reason to stand. And he just cursed God. He is easy pickings. I'm going to go out there and just clean this up. Because he understood. I'm going to cut your head off today. Simply because you're in my way. If you would have stayed back, stayed home, but now you're in my way. So I'm going to come over and kill you. When people get in your way, folks, it's an issue. Don't be taking a back seat. Don't be being cowering away. Well, I guess I can't do anything about it. No, you can. You can go to prayer and say, Father God, somebody got in my way today. What shall we do? Here's another example. Elijah made some people mad, as he always did. He made a lot of people mad. And so the king sent 50 men and a captain to come after him. 
And the captain came up to him with his 50 men, all armed. And they said to Elijah, Elijah, come down. We're taking you to the king. He said, Elijah, man of God, come down. We're going to take you to the king. And Elijah said, if I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and burn you up. Fire came down from heaven and burned them up. Why did he have the authority to call fire down from heaven and burn up those folks? Because they got in the way. Second one is dispatched. What's he do? If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and burn you up. Fire came down from heaven and burned them up. Then a third team was dispatched. How many of you would like to disobey an order right now? Another 50 men and a commander came out, but this commander came out differently. He says, please have mercy on us. We're only, say, we're only here because the king told us to come. He really wants to have an audience with you. Would, you. would you please come along with us? Let's go. Let's do it. His protege, Elisha, made the king's enemies mad. The Syrians were very upset. And they said, who is telling the king of Israel what's going on, what our plans are? One of you is a spy. They said, not so, king. They have a prophet. Elisha's his name. And he knows the very things you say in your bedchamber. He said, we need to go get him. I want you to muster the entire army. I want you to go into Israel over the Dothan. And I want you to surround the city. I want you to take him, bring him here. So they go on into the land of Israel, surround the city. And the helper that he's got, he's, he's scared. He says, they are surrounding the city. They are here for you. He's, he's terrified. And Elijah says, or Elisha says, don't worry about it. There's more with us than there are with them. And I think he wasn't quite believing that. So he said, Father, open up his eyes and let him see. And he opened his eyes and he saw all the host of angels that were around the city. And so he says, let's go out and talk to him. But they want you. Let's go out and talk to him. And on his way, he says, Father God, smote them with blindness that they cannot see. Now, they weren't blind. They just were not able to see what was actually happening. And so Elisha comes out to him. And he says, what are you here for? We're here for Elisha. Tell you what, the man you really want, the man you want, he says, he's not here. But I'm going to take you to him. And so he leads them. He said, follow me, guys. And so they follow him. And he takes them right into the city of Samaria. They're not even realizing they're going into the city of Samaria. Leads them right into the city of Samaria. The entire army of Israel surrounds them. And then their eyes are open. How did we get here? Now, how did he have authority to do that? Because they got in the way. The people who get in the way of the people of God should be afraid. You should not be afraid of them. The authority that God has given us will work against those who get in your way. The authority of God can help those who open the door and allow you to help them. Because those who will bless you will be blessed and those who will curse you will be cursed. Don't be afraid. No need to be afraid of that. Those ways to operate in authority in the lives of other people. Understand what those ways are, but don't step outside your jurisdiction. Don't do things that you were not commanded to do. Don't poke your nose where it's not asked for because you will fail. 
Let people ask, put people in a position. But don't just satisfy your own need. Well, I'll pray for you. In that. Do you have authority in that area? Do you have authority in that area? One more thought before we go. The things we say with our mouth carry a lot of weight in our life. The things that other people have said with their mouths carry a lot of weight in their life. This man who was in the gardens or in the tombs had said some things with his mouth because the Word of God tells us in Luke that he was waiting for Jesus. So he said some things with his mouth. I want to see Jesus. I know that Jesus can free me from this thing. Some of these kind of things had to have been said. And when he came and he plopped himself down in front of Jesus, Jesus had a green light to minister and to speak into his life and to take authority. But you will encounter people who have done just the opposite. They have spoken hateful things to the things of God, to the people of God, to the Word of God. They have spoken doubt and unbelief on a regular basis. And you cannot step into their life and speak authoritative words and change their life because of the words that they have uttered. And if you do it, you show your ignorance of the Word of God before God and even Satan's kingdom. You don't need to do it. Understand your authority has a jurisdiction. It has lots of power, but it has a jurisdiction. And for those that are outside that jurisdiction, you have no authority and you have no power. But you let them wander into your area of jurisdiction, or if you can encourage them to step in, now you can do something. Don't try and operate in authority where it has not been given. But where it has been given, operate in it. And do what God has told you to do. Take authority over demon spirits. Take authority over sickness and disease. Operate in your authority. And you can bring great change to the lives of the people around you. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that you have given us authority. That you have given us the opportunity to change the lives of those that are around us, to change our own lives, to get things that are in our way out of our way, and to help people that are burdened to have those burdens loosened, to have them set free. There is much, Father, you can teach us in the area of authority, much that you will reveal to us and we're open to hear. Father, there are times we have stepped outside of our jurisdiction to the point that we think it's normal. Speak to our spirit. Enlighten our heart that we can know that's not my area. That's not what I am to do. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you that our eyes are opening. And we may have stepped outside of our jurisdiction in the past and had some failures. And it doesn't mean that we can't have successes down the road. Authority needs confidence. We have to have that confidence in your word that you work through us. So I thank you, Father, that you build that up in us, that you restore that. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. We have, you want to read these?
Miss um, Candy says Bobby was having chest pain, so he went to the doctor and he ordered a stress echo that turned out all right. But he wanted to make sure he didn't have any blockage, so he had a catheters or er, yeah, yeah catheterization on. And praise be to God, no blockage. That's pretty cool. Um, we thank the men for praying over him Sunday before last Sunday. Okay? Very works. That's exciting. Amen. Um, and Ara says, I praise God for my new car. I'm giving a good deal for it, and I love it. Praise God. That's awesome. I don't like car shopping, so good for you. That's awesome. That's right. Do it as infrequently as we can. And it's neither white, black, nor silver. I just have a thing. I like cars with color. <laughs> All right. You all know the Hoskins are coming out, not this um, week, but the week following. We're going to do some things with the kids during that, that week. If you'd like to be a volunteer, like we had uh, last time, uh, see my, my daughter Alyssa over there. She will help you with that. looks like the ages are four to eight. Crafts, snacks, things like that will be provided. Uh, we just need bodies. We need people that can help out with that. So uh, four nights that we have that going on out of the, those four nights. If you want to take one of them, that'd be be great. But uh, talk to her. You don't have to take all four. If you just want to take take one of them and then be in the service for the rest of the the time, that will that will be great. We would uh, like to see that. Wednesday, last Wednesday, we did not have service, so we're basically doing this Wednesday the same thing we we're supposed to do last Wednesday. I just had a bailout. We were trying to do all kinds of things to get things ready for the having you all over at the house, getting the pool opened up soon enough so that we can get the sun on it. The sun came out on Tuesday. So we had to get things so that the sun could beat down on it on Tuesday and finish up some things on Wednesday to, to try and get it going. And so it just uh, uh, something had to, had to kind of go. So that's what we uh, ended up doing. So that's why we weren't here on Wednesday. And we will be here this, pi- this Wednesday. We're just going to pick up where we, we didn't go this past week. And that will be going on next Sunday. Didn't get to fit this in your bulletin. It's in the calendar part. But next Sunday we will be having the covered dish dinner. That will be going on at 1230, right after the service is over. We'll have that. So bring, uh, the, bring the food that you normally bring, main dish, sides, salads, things like that, uh, desserts, whatever it is that you like to bring. We like to just say bring enough for your family, a little extra if you can, in case we have some guests who want to stay. That will be going on for, for next Sunday. That will, uh, we're going to do some things to get us ready for the meetings coming up with Jay and Tammy. Then that following week, we won't have the Wednesday night service. We'll have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday services there. Thursday and Friday are going to be at 7 o'clock. People are coming home from work, 7.30, sometimes just a little too late to start to get things going, so we're just trying to push it up a little bit. The other evening services, Saturday and Sunday, are both going to be at 6. So Saturday, that way you get, uh, you get started at 6 o'clock. If it goes a little bit later, you're not home too late to get up for church in the morning. And if you're hanging around on Sunday... That way you don't have to hang around for too much longer. So 6 o'clock on, those, on Saturday and Sunday, 7 o'clock for Thursday and Friday. You need healing in your body. If you know someone who needs healing in their body, bring them out. Bring them out. Well, I know they need healing, but I don't know if they'll come out. Well, then they probably won't get healed. People come, come to the meeting. When Jesus had meetings, what did they do? They came to the meetings. When Peter had meetings, they came to the meetings. When Paul had meetings, they came to the meetings. They got healed. That was the number one way people got healed. There are some other ways, but that's the number one way. Why not go out to the number one way? Get them on out here. Uh, invite them to come on out. We, we'd love to see people who are sick, battling something. Come on out and get, get set free on, on that. So that's going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 9, 10, 11, and 12th of June. And I think that is all that we had to, to go over. 
All right. So if, you're, if you want to help out with the children's services, don't forget today. Either see you, Alyssa, before you leave, or how many are coming over to the party, to the, the swim party? All right. You can always talk to her over there as, as well. If you're going over to the swim party today, the graduation party, if, how many are going?